0: Good morning. Welcome to our daily podcast. Uh, My name is Chris McDaniel, the senior pastor here at the church, and we're going to read verses uh, 1 through 9 of Matthew 18 and then pray and see if we can learn something from Jesus today. But first, let's read. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child whom he put among them and said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like children... You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were fastened around your neck and you were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the stumbling blocks." On occasions for stumbling are bound to come, but woe to the one by whom the stumbling blocks come. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off, and throw it away, it's better for you to enter life maimed or lame than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out, throw it away, it's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the hell of fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, we pray today that you would help us to see, uh, Jesus, what you're trying to say, what you are saying here. God, I pray that we would hear through the stark language and today maybe receive an invitation from you. In Jesus' name, amen. See, one of the other Gospels gives probably even more context for this, uh, the text in front of us here in Matthew. Matthew. One of the other Gospels say, essentially, that Jesus overheard the disciples arguing about who is the greatest. Here we hear them come to Jesus and ask the same question. Either way, uh, I think it's fair for us to say that it's the nature of fallen people uh, to grasp for power and position. It's in my nature and yours. It was in the disciples'. Uh, for the disciples, their argument about which one of them was the greatest, it, it stemmed from the same place that these conversations stem from, or these emotions stem from, in you and me. It came from a place of insecurity. Oftentimes, we try to secure a place for ourselves, whether that's um, power, um, income, or just reputation, because we feel vulnerable. We feel weak and fragile, and it's uh, terrible to feel. Weak and to feel vulnerable and fragile. And so we oftentimes try to insulate ourselves thinking, if I could just secure the best spot, I would feel okay. And I just want to tell you what I'm sure you already know. At least you know it in your bones. It's a lie to believe that we could just secure ourselves, uh, that we could make a place for ourselves that would last. We'll, We'll never achieve enough. We'll never have enough. To feel secure will always only be as good as our last deal only as bright as our latest achievement only as popular as the the likes and responses we get on on it on social media and so for me at least it's kind of comforting to know that jesus's friends they struggled with the same kinds of things that you struggle with that i struggle with they were competitive and at times they were cruel to one another and that just lets me realize that the stuff we're we're all going through this stuff is common to humans but jesus brings this into sharp focus Uh, when he hears the question who's the greatest or or the other gospel account them arguing which one of them was the best what does jesus do I think sometimes we're afraid that when God catches us in our worst, that he would just shame us or disqualify us. You know, a lot of us live our lives with a kind of perpetual sense of guilt, thinking, you know, I'm such an idiot. Uh, I, my thoughts and my feelings are just always off. They're, they're miscalibrated, and we... Um, put our foot in our mouth and we feel dumb and disqualified and we wonder sometimes, you know, that's probably the way God sees us. But y'all, that's not what Jesus does when he hears the dumb question, which one of us is the best. Instead of shaming them, he brings a child and puts a child in front of them. And he looks at his friends and y'all, I, this can't be overstated. He looks at his friends and he loves them. Just like he looked at the rich young ruler and the text says he looked at him and loved him. But then he said something really hard. He says, unless you change and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. I think it bears some consideration. What does Jesus mean when he says, unless you change and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven? Is he speaking of innocence? Is he saying be innocent like a child? I'll just say only a person who's never spent much time with a child could think that children are innocent. They're they're just not. Um, I was once taking care of a little boy, and he snatched a toy from another child his age. He was bigger than her, stronger than her. and I said, you need to share. And he said, we did share. She had it, and I took it. Jesus is not speaking about Innocence here when he brings a child and puts the child in front. What he's speaking about is directly connected to what the disciples were arguing about. He's essentially putting a powerless, vulnerable creature in front of them and says, Cultivate an awareness of your vulnerability and your powerlessness. Unless you change and become like children, you can only understand what Jesus is saying there if you think about the argument the disciples were having about who is the greatest, who is the most powerful. Jesus here is saying to us, children are vulnerable. They're not able to secure a place for themselves. If they are to flourish, they need help. What he's saying to you and me is if we're to flourish, we need help. We cannot secure a place for ourselves. We need to become more aware of that. We need to tap into that rather than living with a kind of chest puffed out bravado, thinking we can carve out a name for ourselves a place for ourselves and then jesus says something really unsettling be better for someone to be thrown into the ocean with a big heavy rock tied around them than to put a stumbling block in front of these ones these powerless ones these vulnerable ones and i think jesus is speaking on a number of levels i think he's actually speaking about kids on one level children are vulnerable don't hurt children it's why i think there's a, a sense of real horror when we see children be injured. But he's not just speaking about children. It's more. I think Jesus is also saying, do not make things hard. Don't make things harder more difficult than they already are for vulnerable populations. And right now, I think that as we consider systematic racism in America, and I just want to say to you, if you don't believe in systematic racism, you probably need to just do a little bit more learning the, the deck is stacked against our black friends, against our Latino friends. Um, in America, there are two Americas at least. And I've been privileged enough to live on one side of that equation and not worry and not have to even know really about the other side of the equation. And I think in part what Jesus is saying here to those of us who have power and privilege, and y'all, there's nothing wrong with having power and privilege. Those are gifts, but they must be leveraged. And they can only be leveraged if our eyes are open. He's saying, don't put stumbling blocks. Don't make it harder than it already is for vulnerable people. We're seeing right now the voice of the vulnerable be heard in our nation. And y'all, we have to learn how to hear it. We've got to cultivate, specifically my white friends, we've got to cultivate ears to hear what's going on around us. I think there's another application. So in addition to children specifically, literally, and in vulnerable populations, I think Jesus would also say, don't make things more difficult than they already are for those who are seeking to name and grow in humility and vulnerability. Don't look down your nose at people who are trying to open themselves up to something new right now. It's tempting, I think, for some to say, I've been on this bandwagon for Two whole years before you have. And I think Jesus would say, let's, let's not put stumbling blocks in front of anyone. Let's ask God for the grace to clear the way. And I think for me, one of the things that I'm sensing right now is to cultivate humility in myself, an, an awareness of my own powerlessness, my own vulnerability, but also to work to remove obstacles from everybody else's path, including my own. I think a big part of this for me and you is learning to use we language rather than they language. Because if I sense that an obstacle I place in front of you could also potentially trip me up, then I'm able to to clear the pathway for us. I'm doing my part for us, not just for you or for me. In the last number of weeks, I've had some pretty angry emails. And frankly, I I won't overstate it. Lots and lots of um, really heartfelt, wonderful emails communication pieces of those of us who are just trying our best to grow in this moment, but a few pretty angry emails, they, they, they're really outnumbered, but they're there. And some of that has been people really angry over specifically my use of we language. When I was speaking about repenting, I said, we have blood on our hands. We have blood in our soil. And, and the, the stuff I'm, I've heard goes something like, you know, I've never hurt a person I've never done that i i was not guilty of what great great grandparents would have been guilty of and i just want to say to you that's not the point y'all the bible is full of examples where we're called to be intercessors and and that word just means prayer people who stand in a gap and when you look at intercessors from moses to nehemiah to daniel Men who were righteous men, when they prayed and when they repented, they often used we language. They confessed sin by saying, we have sinned. And what they were doing and identifying with the sin of the nation or the church or the, the Jews was placing themselves near to the brokenness because they wanted to be near to the mercy of God when it comes to the brokenness. And so I just want to challenge you to learn how to use we language when you admit fault we have sinned. We need your mercy. Not they have sinned. They need your mercy. There's a we here. And I think that the most important thing for you and me right now is to learn how to use we language in our praying and in our advocating. Y'all, life is hard enough. Let's not make it harder than it needs to be. And the text ends with a really worrying thing, but let's not over overthink it. When Jesus speaks about cutting off a body part, what he's saying is be willing to do the hard work needed to grow. And he uses hyperbole there because he wants us to be serious about what growth looks like. And I just think he is serious about it. He wants you and me to be really committed to growth in general in our spiritual life. And that sometimes means removing parts of us that are not pleasing to the Lord, repenting, cutting off the part of the vine that's not good, And that's true in my own soul. I think it's also true in yours. So let's ask the Lord to help us with that today. God bless you. May you go in peace and know the love of God today. Amen.